Hello again, and welcome to the Messages podcast of Newbury Park First Christian Church. We're glad you're listening because we believe that constant contact with the Word of God, obviously handled with the right heart, can really change your life and can help you adopt the kingdom of God into every part of your daily rhythm. Today's podcast is from a series called Resolve, based on the book of Daniel. Just as Daniel found himself in the middle of a culture that was quickly flowing away from God's design, we can learn from his example how to resolve to follow the Lord no matter what and thrive as a result. So be blessed today as you receive this word. Um, you know, it wouldn't be Father's Day without um, some stupid Father's Day jokes, right? So I, I looked up a couple new ones uh, this year. So uh, I thought we would just start by, with a little fun here. Um, so why don't they have Father's Day sales? Because fathers are priceless. Right? It's the perfect dad joke, right? So what do you call a person who is not a dad but who makes dad jokes? A faux pas. Yeah. <laughs> what did the cheerleader bring her dad for breakfast on Father's Day? Cheerios, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is the best thing a new dad can get for Father's Day? A nap. Come on, guys. Um, where did uh, the cow family go on Father's Day? The movies. Right. Yeah, come on. Why, why, why did the bean children give their dad a sweater for Father's Day? Because he was chilly. Chilly bean, get it? Yeah. Yeah. Why do sons love Father's Day so much? Because it always lands on Sunday. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> why couldn't the digital clock make dinner for Father's Day? He had no hands. <laughs> Some of you will get that in a minute. So, yeah. You, you got to have corny Father's Day jokes on Father's Day, right? So, you guys will repeat some of those. I just, I, I know that's true. So, uh, hey, we're, we're in week six of our series, Resolve. Uh, and we're working our way through the Old Testament book of Daniel. And man, we have been discovering a lot about, uh, about what it means to be people of resolve, people who live in the midst of a culture that's not our own. This place is not our home, but we still live and we resolve to put God first in everything uh, that we do. At the end of last week, at the end of chapter five, we found King Darius the Mede. You guys remember the story? He, uh, he came in under the uh, dried up riverbeds and he took over Babylon, the, the um, indefe- uh, uh, undefeatable city. And he, they stormed in and they took over. Um, and God's word is always true. And we asked the question last week, what are you waiting for? You know, uh, you never know when something might happen. You never know when the handwriting on the wall is going to show up. And we just want to encourage you, um, don't be people that hesitate when it comes to faith. Be people who jump in and who, who follow Christ. Um, and then, so we, um, at the end of the last chapter, this guy Darius the Mede, he takes over as the ruler. He was really partnered up with King Cyrus of Persia and uh, Darius the Mede, they kind of formed an alliance together and made the Medo-Persian Empire. Cyrus goes back to Persia and he leaves Darius in charge of Babylon at the time. And so that's who we'll find and we'll read about um, in today's story. Now I have to tell you, all, all of the kind of fun, amazing stories like this, this is kind of the last one. So enjoy 
enjoy today. After this week in the book of Daniel, as we start chapter seven, now I know some of you will get excited, but it's all about all this crazy prophetic stuff and apocalyptic literature. It gets really crazy. And we're gonna dive in and try to sort some of that out. And so you're gonna wanna be here to try to uh, work through that with us as we kind of see like, what is Daniel seeing in uh, his immediate and then distant future, and what are the things that we can hold on to um, to give us a life of assurance um, out of that. And so uh, we find that Daniel, um, at this point in his life, um, you know, back in chapter one, he was a teenager when he was ripped from his homeland, taken as an exile to Babylon, was, um, you know, trained, enculturated into the Babylonian lifestyle and everything else, and now um, 80 I mean, not 80, uh, probably about 60 years has elapsed. So Daniel is probably pushing 80 years old at this point. Um, So all this time has elapsed. I mean, six different kings he has served under. And this guy, Daniel, remains incredibly faithful. They could change his address. They could change his language. They could change his name. They could change his clothes. They could change the food that he ate, but they could not change his allegiance to Almighty God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He stayed faithful, amen? That's the life that we want to live. Daniel is an amazing example of somebody who finishes really well. You know, many people fail to finish well, Um, even, even people in the Bible. When you look at some of our Bible heroes, some of them didn't finish all that great. You know, even go back to Moses, what a great leader Moses was, take all those people out of Egypt. But if you remember at the end, he doesn't get to go into the promised land because he made a big mistake and didn't give God the glory that he deserved. And, and, and so he ends up, you know, in, kind of in trouble. And it's a sad story. But you know what? After all of that effort, you know, uh, Moses didn't finish, I don't think, the way he wanted to. There's King Saul, might remember him, the first king of Israel. He started off strong. He was doing what the Lord had required. And then, of course, he, pride settles in, you know, because that's what happens when you get some power and pride settles in. And then it tells us that God tore the kingdom away from him and actually even removed his Holy Spirit from him. Saul did not finish well. Um, king Solomon, you remember the, the wisest guy that's ever lived? was probably also one of the richest, if not the richest person that's ever lived on planet Earth. And yet what happened to him? Well, the knucklehead decided to have over 300 wives, right? I mean, isn't that like the craziest dilemma ever? The wisest man in the world, and then he gets 300 wives. You're like, whoa, how how do you balance all that out, right? But some of these guys who, you know, they start off great, but they don't finish well. And I want to encourage you all, finish, finish well. Um, some of you are like, yeah, but I'm just getting started. Well, as we found out last week, you just never know when your number is up, right? So every day we need to be thinking about the fact that, that hey, I want to finish well, whatever that means. And you know what? When you finish well, it's not because, you know, you just saved your energy or saved everything for later right? You won't finish well if you're not already going well. And so that's something we need to remember. In fact, I heard a great illustration this week. Some of you might remember the movie Chariots of Fire. It was a story about a guy named Eric Little who was a Christian runner in the Olympics. 
And this guy was, uh, they asked him, they said, how is it that you have such stamina and that you can run the 400 with such great veracity? And he says, well, he says, because the, the first 200 meters, he says, I run as hard and as fast as I can. And he says, and then the second 200 meters, he says, I pray to God to help me run faster, right? He's just like, he, he gives it his all. And you know, there, there, you know, some of you this morning may, may be feeling like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I've got left. Some of you even may be older and you're thinking, I don't know where I fit in or how I help or what I should do. Maybe some of you even think, oh, I did my thing, right? And then now it's time for the young people to do their thing. Um, but I got to tell you, that's not really the case. In fact, a lot of great things have happened for people who, who are older, um, even, even here in scripture, you know? Um, but, but I was thinking, I looked this up. Did you know? So... Uh, Warren Buffett, some of you guys might know who he is, pretty wealthy guy. Did, I don't know if you knew this, 90% of his wealth has been made after he was 65 years old. Um, Colonel Sanders, remember that guy? Right? Colonel Sanders, he didn't even start Kentucky Fried Chicken until he was 65 years old. I mean, could you have imagined Colonel Sanders with like, you know, some young guy on the cover, right? With no white beard and no white suit, Right? I mean, I don't know what we would have called that, right? Private Sanders, I don't know. Another bad dad joke, right? So, so. Okay, so um, there was this guy, um, actually just last year, a guy named Yashiro Mura, at 80 years old, the oldest guy to summit Mount Everest. 80 years old, right? And you're like, man. But here, I know we have some runners in the, in the crowd today. There was a guy named Fuja Singh who ran the London Marathon recently and finished it at the age of 104. Yeah, you're like, okay, that guy rocks, right? I'm pretty sure he didn't start training at 100, right? I'm pretty sure he's been pretty consistent all of his life. And then I read something this morning that's interesting that, you know, Ray Kroc, the guy, that, the, you know, the McDonald's guy, he actually didn't even open the first McDonald's actual franchise until he was over 60 years old. You know, so, hey, you know what? Um, we, we, we want to believe, and, and God wants to use us no matter where we're at. And, and so Daniel, at the age of 80, he is living, and he was doing what God has called him to do. And after six different kings, this guy is still going strong. So in honor of Dad's Day, we're going to take a look at several characteristics that will help us live lives that will help us not just finish well, but live daily with confidence, even in a world that seems so Upside down. And all of today's things uh, in, in honor of dad start with a D. So the first is this, starting in Daniel chapter uh, 6, is Daniel is distinguished, right? Daniel is distinguished. Read with me uh, Daniel chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It says, It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now listen to this. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So he's basically saying, hey, this guy, Daniel, he's such a stand He's so distinguished. I'm going to make him basically like prime minister. What's interesting here <laughs> is the word here in, in the Bible, it says he, he distinguished himself by his exceptional qualities. 
If, if you take those words apart, the word exceptional is the Hebrew word yatir, which really means superior to anything else. Okay, superior to anything else. And then the word for qualities is a really bad, qualities is a really bad translation for this word because the, the word that is used there in the Hebrew is the word ruah. Anybody remember that word? Yeah, it means spirit. So it says a, 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 a superior above all other spirits is what this guy Daniel has. He has a spirit, a spirit unlike any other. That's what Daniel has that sets him apart. And the question I have is, could that be said about you? Do the people in your life recognize the Spirit's work in your life by the way that you live every day? Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And I would even say, and not even for a paycheck, right? We're not just working for a paycheck, okay? I mean, yeah, God gives us work and he allows us to do those things so that we can provide for families. But you know what? That is not the end game. The end game in what we do is we do whatever we do. We work at it with everything we've got, with all of our heart, as, we're, as if we're doing it for the Lord. And that's a great question for all of us to wrestle down. Are the things that we're doing each and every day, are we, are we doing those things for the Lord I mean, some of you, some of you work really hard all week, and then you know you're like, I'm working really hard all week, I'm providing for the family, I'm doing all this stuff, and then we go to church. I'm like, well, wait a minute. No, you, we're supposed to worship God with the way that we approach our work. We're, we're supposed to bring glory to him by working with everything that we do with all of our heart. So as you find yourself this week thinking about your job, thinking about all the things on your calendar, all the meetings you got and work and so, you know, not school, praise the Lord, right, for all the kids. Um, or maybe as a parent, you're thinking, oh my gosh, what do I do now? All the kids are home all summer, right? But just think about, are, are, are you doing all of that, whether it be working, parenting, you know, all the things that you're doing, are you doing it as you're, if you were doing it for the Lord? First Peter chapter two, verse uh, 12 to 15, I love this passage, it says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong. Do you ever see that in the world today where maybe the pagans out there, the rest of the world is accusing us of doing something wrong? Does that ever happen? Oh, you guys quit watching the news too. Good for you. All right. So um, says, yeah, no. So even though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Right? And then he goes on, he says, submit yourselves to the, for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as a, as a supreme authority or to governors who are set by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Can I, can I just clue some of you in on something? You will never silence the talk of ignorant people by responding to their stupid posts on Facebook. You just won't. You, you won't silence ignorant people by taking the bait and getting into the argument. It's just, that's just not gonna happen. How do we silence ignorance? Well, we live respectful, responsible lives, right? With, with all godliness. And, and we approach living life as if, hey, we're doing this for the Lord. 
This life that we have, it is to be a life just worshiping always. And when that happens, God gets the glory. So Daniel was distinguished, but the next thing that happens in Daniel's life is this. Daniel is despised. Look at verse uh, 4. At this, okay, because remember, it says now the king was going to make Daniel, right, out out of the three rulers. He's like, oh, that Daniel, man, he's a standout. I'm going to make this guy prime minister. So look what happens. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Now, here's what's amazing about the life of Daniel. I mean, this guy was an incredibly special individual because he worked in the government and was absolutely not corrupt. Now, I mean, this guy is totally trustworthy, right? Isn't that amazing? We, how many, we need some of these guys, right? We, we need some of these people, right? It's, and, and, and uh, you know, we say it in jest, but, but here's the reality. There are some wonderful people in government and, and you know what, though? The Bible doesn't tell us to pick and choose who we pray for, that we should pray for all of them, because Lord's, Lord knows they need prayer. And, and you know, I, I think it's so important that we realize, hey, we are called to be people who pray for our leaders. But, man, this Daniel guy, what a standout. In, in 2 Timothy 3, uh, 12, it says, and then it says this, uh, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted doesn't say might be. It doesn't say, you know, hey, you know, you might skate through and, you know, not, not come out on skate. It's like, no, if you're going to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you will be persecuted. In fact, I would go so far as to say this. If you're never persecuted, if, if everything's just going fine and dandy in your life and everybody loves everything you do and everything you say and all that you stand for in this world, then you might want to check who you're really following. Because if you're following Jesus, there will be times when there's persecution. If you're following Jesus, if you're doing what's right, I gotta tell you something, okay? Father's Day, okay? Just total, uh, just when I was a kid, I remember one day waking up on a Sunday morning and I just wasn't feeling it, right? So I told my dad, yeah, my dad walks by my bedroom, knocks on the door, he says, hey, you better get dressed. We're, you know, the car's leaving in a couple minutes, right? We're heading to church. I look at my dad and I'm like, yeah, about that church thing. You know, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going this morning. I, I'm, I'm telling you what, man, my, my dad, he, he just pretended he didn't hear me. And, and he comes back by going the other way down the hall and he looks in and he says, hey, car's leaving in two minutes. And then he walks by one more time, right? And he says, he looks in and he says, son, are you going dressed like that or are you going to change your clothes? I mean, he, it was just like, there was no question, right? And, and I got to tell you today, man, I am thankful. I am so thankful that I had a dad that like made me go. I am so glad that I had a dad who said, hey, look, as long as you're living in my house, there is no options here, Right? Why? Why? Because he believed. Because it changed his life. And because it changed his life, he knew how desperately I was going to need this. And he saw all the stupid stuff that I would do, you know, and that would only get worse if Jesus didn't get a hold of my life. Right? 
So praise God for, for amazing dads like that, right? Um, Matthew 5, uh, 10 says this, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. You know, I got back up a minute because I forgot. So I was thinking about my dad. I was thinking, I even persecuted my dad at times, right? I, I, made, I made living the life he knew he should live difficult on him every once in a while, and, and you know what? You never know where the persecution's gonna come from. I, I know that there are some folks in this room who've even been persecuted by your own family, even maybe your own children. And I gotta tell you, you know what? Um, especially if you're a parent, um, you, you, you were not put on this earth to be their buddy, right? You're here to be their parent and somebody who helps them understand what it means to be followers of Jesus Christ. It'll be their choice, but you do everything that you can. I, I love, you know, honestly, my favorite quote this week really is, hey, they will, the kids won't always follow your advice, but they will eventually follow your example. And so I think we, you know, we want parents who are going to be great examples. And so, um, Again, Matthew 10, 12. <laughs> Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you falsely because, uh, and say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Guess who one of the prophets was that was before you? Daniel. Right? This guy got persecuted for doing what was right. And if we do what was right, if we live the right kind of life in this world, this broken world where sin reigns and the devil is roaming around like a roaring lion looking for people to devour, if we live right, man, we, we will suffer persecution. I know for a lot of us, we're like, oh man, I haven't ever really, you know what? Today, there are people all over the world, fellow followers of Jesus Christ, who will give their lives because of their faith. How much more should we be thankful for the freedoms that we have and use our gift of freedoms and understand the responsibility that comes with that so that we will live lives that demonstrate that we worship the one true God, right? So now, Here's the thing, these guys, I mean, Daniel is despised by these guys. Why? Because he stands out, because he did the right thing, because he's working at his job in the government as if he was doing it for the Lord, not men. And so these guys are angry at Daniel. They, they're trying to find a reason to accuse him. And I think this is another great thing about like Daniel's character um, is, you know, these guys, these guys are looking at Daniel and, and he doesn't fight back or anything else. I think, you know, how you react when other people prosper or when other people suffer or struggle says a lot about your character and your confidence in God. I mean, think about this for, for a few minutes. I mean, if, if somebody at work gets a promotion that you don't get, I, I mean, how do you feel? Do you, like, these, like these guys, do you, get, do you get angry and now you're looking for, you know, a way to bring them down? Do, do you just mumble under your breath all the time? Do you go tell everybody else how unfair that was and everything else? And guess what? It may be unfair because the word tells us, hey, you know what? You may get persecuted falsely. That, that, that may happen. But the question is like, when that happens, how do you respond? 
Or, or maybe if somebody, you know, if something happens to somebody, if somebody, you know, messes up at work and whatever because they're kind of your rival person, do, do you rejoice in their sufferings? Do you rejoice when they mess up? I mean, do you rejoice when our, you know, when the political figures in our country, you know, do something really stupid and put their foot in their mouth? Do you get all happy about that? We, we need to be people who check ourselves because we should not rejoice in other people's failings. For crying out loud, especially the people who are leading because <laughs> as, as so goes the government, so go we, right? I mean, we need to be praying for this. It's all the reason more to pray for these folks. So um, Daniel then in verse, uh, verse five, it says, finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So they recognize how strong his faith is, and they're like, we're never gonna be able to find anything against this guy. So the only way is by something that has to do with his faith. So these administrators, in verse six, and these satraps went as a group, evil ones always run in packs, remember that, to the king and said, may Darius live forever. The royal administrators prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any other God or human being during the next 30 days, except you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So Darius put the decree in writing. Did, did you notice their first lie? It, they, they come to the king and they say, hey, all of the advisors, all of the governors, all of the prefects, all, the, all of us, right? All of us have agreed. Well, they left out the number one administrator, right? They're like, hey, we all agree on this. I mean, everybody's doing it, right? All of us agree. I mean, so these guys just lie through their teeth, right? And so we all agree. Oh, except for Daniel. And so Daniel is distinguished. He's despised. And then um, next, Daniel is disciplined, right? And not disciplined like he gets in trouble, which he kind of does, but it's a different kind of discipline, right? Daniel chapter 6, verse 10 says this. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the window was open towards Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. I think the most powerful piece of that verse is, is the last little line there. It says, just as he had done before. Daniel's consistency of faith is powerful. You know, he, he didn't go up, he, he didn't go up in his room to pray now that there was a problem. Right? He he didn't wait until things got bad, until everybody until he was in trouble, right, to go up and pray. And in fact, he did not go up to his room and pray with the windows open to stick it to the man. That, that was not his intention here. He did it because he did this before. He did it because this was his normal life. The integrity of this man is huge. 
And folks, this is one of the greatest things about Daniel that we want to emulate in our lives is Daniel's incredible integrity. He, he didn't just do this because, okay, well now, I mean, but how many of us, right? We kind of have like at best a so-so prayer life until something bad happens. And then, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many people, right? They like, they, they don't want God to have anything to do with their finances until there's a financial problem. Then they wanna invite God in. Oh, dear God, help us out here, right? Or, hey, you know what? You, you're like, hey, God, don't, I got this whole relationship thing down. Watch me work, I'm pretty good at this. And then relationship starts to, you know, have difficulty, and then we invite God in, right? Then we're like, then we pray like crazy, you know? Why is it that we tend to always turn to God when the bad things happen. This is the thing about Daniel's life that is so amazing, is Daniel, Daniel didn't change anything. He just went and prayed because just as he had done before. And in fact, I, I, I would encourage you, man, start these holy habits now so that when the day of trouble comes, and it will, because we will all be persecuted, when that happens, you will be prepared it won't, you, you, you won't get surprised and you won't get taken off guard. You will know what to do and you will know to pray like you have done if you are living a life of prayer. I mean, I love it here when I'm reading this. I was just thinking, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those guys were standing when everybody else was kneeling, right? And Daniel does just the opposite. He's the guy kneeling when everybody else is standing, right, for the wrong thing. So verse 11, let's keep going. Then these men went as a group again, right? And they found Daniel praying. So these guys are spying on Daniel, right? These crazy stalker guys. And they went to the king and they spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human except you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. Again, reinforce, he still prays three times a day. Like we know, we know where to find him. We know where to find him at noon. We know where to find him at three o'clock. We know where to find him, you know, at six o'clock when it's time, you know. We know where this guy is. He's always up there praying. He's still doing it. I mean, do, do people recognize the consistency of your faith? I mean, think about that for a minute. Too. How, how, how's your prayer life going? As I, as I talk with believers, I think, uh, you know, there, there's so many things that we want to do, you know, you know, how, how, you know, do you attend church, do you, you know, you read your Bible and you, you prayer. And I talk to people and every single person I know says, man, you know, my prayer life could be better. I talk to people, some people who are just like, I'm, I'm too busy. And I, I would just say, you're too busy not to pray. If you're that busy, man, you better pray harder. In fact, if you're that busy, maybe you need to pray and ask God which things you need to stop doing. Because God wants to work in your life, and you know what? Without constant communication with him, that's going to be impossible. 
So let's, keep, let's continue. Verse 14. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Man, what, I mean, again, what is this saying about Daniel's character? The king, just like, he's looking at this guy going, wait a minute, I can't lose my best guy, my right-hand man. I, I'm, I've always said this. Man, at, at your job, at your workplace, if you're working as if you're working for the Lord, not men, man, you should be the last person they ever want to let go. And, and I think it's amazing. Dan, Daniel, I mean, the king is like, I, he's making every effort to figure out a way to keep Daniel alive. And then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, remember your majesty that according to the laws of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. Right, so, so now we know these guys just totally pulled one over on the king. And now the king, right, he's upset, and he's upset about Daniel's situation. I mean, so, so now let's see if you, got, if you all have been learning as we've been going through the book of Daniel, okay? How many of you think that at this point that God saves Daniel from the lion's den? Okay, just a couple of you? No, right? We were taught in Sunday school, God saves Daniel from the lion's den, right? Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Because listen to the next verse, verse 16. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den, right? And, and some of you are now going, oh, you tricked me, right? No, you just got to read the story, right? It's like, he didn't get saved from the lion's den, they threw him in. And then the king even says to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. And man, again, this, these guys recognize Daniel's faith. In 1 Peter 2.20, it says this, if you suffer for doing good and endure it, it is commendable before God. And think about it. If you suffer for doing good, we live, in a, we live in a world, man, where we just fight for our rights and we want everything to be fair. And I've said this over and over again. I've told our kids all their lives. You do not, you, whatever you do, whatever you ask God to do, please, nobody ask him to hit the fair button. Okay, don't, don't do that, right? I mean, think about it. If, if God is sitting up in heaven and he, you know, and he just goes, oh, Today I'm going to hit the fair button, and everything in the world got fair. Okay? Do you know how much you living in Newberry Park, in the Canaan Valley, in Ventura County, do you know how much of your stuff would disappear? Right? I mean, you'd go home, and there'd be like, your refrigerator would be that big, if you even had one, and who knows what would be in it? Right? I mean, you're instead where you left your other car this morning, right? There might be a donkey tied up or something. I don't know, right? If God hits the fair button, man, every you know, I mean. But God says, look, even if you suffer for doing what is good and you endure it, it's commendable before God. Now remember this: Why does it please God if we're unfairly persecuted, right? Why does that please God? It's not because God wants to tolerate injustice or expects his children to be doormats for the rest of the world. It's because it proves that our trust is in God and God alone, not in all the other stuff of the world. 
And it proves God's trustworthiness to us. So verse 17. Then a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then... The king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating or without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. Man, what, what, what an amazing impact Daniel had had. I mean, and this guy, he hadn't been with Darius all that long. It was pretty quickly that Darius realized what an amazing guy this was. So Daniel, Daniel first, right, Daniel was distinguished, then he was despised, right? Then he was disciplined in prayer. Now Daniel gets delivered. Look at verse 19. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called out to Daniel in an anguished voice, right? Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually, do you see that repetition there? Served continually, been able to rescue you from the lion's den, you know, I think it's important at this moment to stop and realize this, like, because we know, you know, the spoiler alert, because we went to Sunday school, right, that, that Daniel comes out of the lion's den. But God doesn't always, God doesn't always fix the issue. God does not always decide that he's going to rescue you from that certain thing. You know, it, it, it would be wrong of us to read this and go, oh, well, God always steps in and God always changes things and God always fixes it in our favor. That's not how it works. It did in this instance. But, you know, I, I hold tightly this one thought that God always can. And sometimes he doesn't. And when he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we have to hold on to the fact that he knows what's best and he's in control and he has your best interest in mind. So, but then I love verse 21. Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the mouth of the lions and they have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his eyes nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. Then the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den and when Daniel was lifted out of the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted his God. Verse, 20, verse 24 is pretty incredible too um, because what, what happens to these other guys, right? Remember the guys that pulled one over on the king? It says in verse 24, at the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. Just always remember that your sin doesn't only affect you. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. There, there were people who, who tried to discount the miracles in the Bible, and they're like, oh, Daniel, you know that whole Daniel lions, and the lions weren't really hungry. Well, this proves that they were. So then, the, the, close out the passage, starting in verse 25. The, then King Darius wrote to all the nations and people of every language on earth, may you greatly prosper. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and revere the God of Daniel, 
for he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth, and he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And so Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. You know, so often we read the Sunday school story uh, of Daniel, and we look at Daniel, and we're like, man, like Daniel is the hero in the story, right? We're just like, man, look at Daniel. Look at how amazing Daniel was. I mean, and truly, he's a guy that we want to emulate. Nothing bad was found in Daniel's life. I mean, when you look at all the other Bible characters, there's very few who have no missteps, no mishaps. I mean, Daniel's one of those things as we read through his life, he's like one of those guys that is a standout and a guy that we should model our lives after because he followed God. But the real hero in the story isn't Daniel. It's the God who saves him. God does the rescuing. God alone is the one who saves. And the question this morning is this for each one of us. What is it that you need rescuing from today? From your calendar? Do you need rescue from an illness, an addiction? From the pain of a loss? From a toxic relationship? Maybe you need rescued today from an apathetic faith or a weak prayer life. Maybe Daniel will, will serve as the impetus to help you step out and develop a faith that is stronger. Folks, the only one who can truly rescue us is Jesus. As I was reading this passage over the last several weeks and really meditating on the words of Daniel chapter six. I'm always looking for, okay, what's, what's a piece of the story that I've never seen before? And, and I was praying about it, and, and God, this is what God brought to me. is from the very beginning of chapter six, right down to the end. There are these incredible insights and foreshadowing of Jesus. I mean, when, when you take a look at the life of Daniel, and the incredible integrity with which he lived, and the way that he worshiped God and resolved to not be defiled by the world. You start and you, you look in verse four, where we're told that the leaders were looking for charges against him. But I don't know if you remember, but the religious leaders attacked Jesus over and over and over again and looked for a way to have him killed. And then, you know, the, then these folks, they even say they won't ever find a basis for charges against him. I love it. In John chapter 9, verse 14, Pilate brings Jesus out after he's been arrested. He even says, I find no basis for a charge against this guy. The king doesn't want to have to give the order to throw him to the lion's den, but his hand gets forced and he orders Daniel to be thrown in the lion's den. Pilate washes his hands, remember, and reluctantly hands Jesus over to be crucified. Then, uh, I, I don't know if you caught this, this is the part I, I didn't really remember in the Daniel story. Then once Daniel gets thrown inside, a stone was rolled in front of the opening and a seal placed on it. Matthew 27, 66. So they went and they made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and positioning a guard there. You know, at first light, the king hurried to Daniel to the lion's den and found that Daniel had not been harmed. 
in the resurrection story, early in the morning on the first day of the week, the ladies went to the tomb. And what did they find? Not a dead person, but a living Savior. The angels shut the mouth of the lions. The angels rolled the stone away from Jesus' tomb. Daniel's life is an incredible picture of Jesus and the salvation that comes only through him. Daniel is a great hero. But folks, let's always remember this. Jesus is the real savior in the story. What do you need? What do you need rescued from the most? Well, every single one of us needs rescued from our sin. The sin that separates us from a relationship with God. And only Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross can rescue us from that. And this morning, I want to encourage you, if, 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 you, if you know Jesus, then man, what, what other things do you need rescued from today? You know, how, how are you going to grow? Maybe in your prayer life, maybe, maybe there's something in your life you need to hand over to Jesus because only he can truly rescue you. I know as dads, one of the big things for us dads is, man, we, we love to fix things and we always think we can do it. And a lot of us do it without the instructions and everything else. And we're like, we got this, right? Well, folks, I'll tell you what. You don't got the answer for the sin in our lives because only Jesus can do that. So would you let him rescue you this morning? All it takes is a simple, you know, God, I'm giving this to you. And that's why we celebrate communion every single Sunday. We do that so that we remember that folks, we, we can't do this on our own. We can't save ourselves. We have, we have a savior and his name is Jesus. And this morning, if you're here, man, I, if you're here and you don't know Jesus or if you're here and you've never committed your life to him or said, yeah, I need a relationship with him. I need the salvation that only Jesus can bring. If you're here this morning and you're saying, man, I've been putting off making that commitment to him. I've been putting off getting baptized or something like that. I, I would say give him the greatest Father's Day gift he could ever have and give him your heart. Give him your life. And I ask our elders to just come sit in the front and if during the song or afterwards you want to come and talk with one of us, we'd love to talk to you about what it means to make Jesus Lord of your life because only he can rescue and only he can save. And he did that when he made that sacrifice on the cross. So let's take the bread that represents Jesus' body and let's take that together this morning. And then the cup that represents Jesus' shed blood. Let's take that this morning and remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Let's take the cup this morning. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, thank you Thank you for the indescribable gift of Jesus. And Father, thank you for the story of a guy like Daniel, a guy who lived a, a life in exile, a life in a place that was really not his home, but Father, he did it with integrity, with character, fully devoted to serving you, continually worship, continually praying, continually living for you. And God, would you help that be the character of our lives? Father, we love you, we thank you, we praise you. Thank you for being an amazing father. We love you in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.
Thanks for listening to the NPFCC Messages podcast. If you'd like to support the work of our church, head to npfcc.org give to make a one-time or reoccurring gift. For more information about us, you can always check out our website at npfcc.org. Again, that's npfcc.org.